I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The only daily Premier League podcast. This is Football Social Daily. The transfer window has officially closed once again and just as you'd expect, there was plenty of drama on deadline day. Some big name players coming and going in the Premier League, but just who has had the strongest January of the lot? We'll discuss that on today's podcast as we comb through the best of the done deals on deadline day and there was plenty of activity at Goodison Park. Eyes were on Everton yesterday as they installed Frank Lampard as their new coach, as well as welcoming a couple of big name faces to Goodison Park. Is this a turning point for the Toffees? We'll speak to Mike from the Unholy Trinity Everton podcast to get the view from the fans. Ericsson, Veghorst, Cantwell, Byrne, Van der Beek, Ali and Abamyang all on the agenda on today's Football Social Daily, the only daily Premier League podcast out there. Welcome along to the show. I'm Niall. Great to have you with us. And I'm sure a few of you would have stayed up late to see all the action on deadline day last night. One of our guests on today's show is no doubt happier than the other. Newcastle supporter Marley Anderson and Man United fan Joel Tudor with us today. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. I'm assuming I'm the, the happy one and Joel's not absolutely buzzing that just Van der Beek's finally going to get some game time somewhere else, is he? <laughs> I'm, looking forward, I'm actually looking forward to seeing him in the Premier League. <laughs> we'll come on to Newcastle in a bit more detail later, Marley, but I guess you're pretty happy with the way things have gone for the last 31 days for your club. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it was clear we needed reinforcements and and quite a few of them. Um, so signing five new players is is a good start. I think ideally we would have had another centre back, um, one of our premium targets. But uh, as as everyone knows, January is not easy to to do business in, and you get teams seeing you coming and inflating the prices and not wanting to lose their players during January. So I'm happy with what we've got. It definitely uh, improves us. Uh, we've just got to turn it into results now and survive this uh, survive this relegation battle. 
Are you saying that Dan Byrne isn't a premium centre back? <laughs> Unfortunately, yes, I am. Um, however, oh, God, never happy. Nine hey, million quid spent. I said first time you spent money in fifteen <laughs> years, and Newcastle fans are still finding something to complain I've, about. <laughs> the only thing with Dan Byrne is I've not seen him play centre back too much um, in a in a back four. That's that's my only my only issue. Um, but as a player, he's he's decent, and as I said on yesterday's podcast, I'll never never go against seeing a Jordy sign for. The club he's supported growing up um, doesn't matter whether he's twenty nine or nineteen or six foot eight or five foot six. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, let's go into it in a bit more detail. Then I want to talk about ambition or the lack thereof from some Premier League clubs. I know Jim Salverson, who is our resident West Ham fan here on Football Social Daily, is not too happy with their business or lack thereof um, during January. We'll come on to West Ham, Manchester United, and Arsenal shortly. But let's start with Newcastle, seeing as we begun that little thread there, Marley. Dan Byrne from Brighton and Matt Target on loan from Villa as part of yesterday's deals for your club. As I say, the January spending has gone beyond £90 million now. Is that the sort of ambition that you're expecting from the new ownership? If Newcastle now go down, can there be any excuse? Because Eddie Howe, it's fair to say, this January has certainly been backed. Um, yeah, I'm, look, I'm, I'm happy with what we've done. I expected it to be around £100 million. It's, you know, £100 million is not a ridiculous amount to spend in in one transfer window you know we've seen it many many times with with teams in summers and winters over the last five years spending 100 million like it was nothing so it wasn't really a surprise to to spend that much um but yeah i think with regards to to keeping the team up i'd i'd still maintain that it's not um it's not eddie howe's fault if we go down because I think it's more of a I think we say a lot in in football you know if you if you're not active in the transfer market you stand still and everybody uh, gains a gains a march on you and gets and gets closer to you or or overtakes you and I think that's what's happened for the last you know four or five years and we've we've barely spent anything um we've had I think I seen a while ago that we we fielded a back four that that lined up for us in the championship back in 2016 about about a month ago, um, and that, that that kind of just shows you the 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 trying the sort of deadwood we're trying to clear out the squad and improve, um, and one January transfer window I don't think is is enough time to to judge anyone on, um, but if you judge the performances I think we'd be practically relegated by now under the previous manager so at least now we've got some fight and and something about us. Um, and it's it's much more positive around the club. I think even if we we did go down, the the mood is still around the club that we're we're still happy enough to to get back because we ultimately will probably come straight back, um, spend more money and and have a, a full season on the back of it in uh, in two years time. It certainly feels like the signing of Bruno Guimaraes was the real big one, the marquee yeah. signing for Newcastle United this January. And actually, we'll come on to the relegation battle in a little bit more context as well, because we'll talk about Burnley, Norwich City and Everton all throughout the course of today's Football Social Daily. But at the moment, Newcastle, having spent £90 million this January, 18th, which is a, a downside better than they were um, only a couple of months ago, as Marley says, 21 games played, which means they have a game in hand over Norwich, who are above them by just a point. So certainly things looking more bright than they were uh, a matter of weeks ago even for Newcastle United. They spent 90 million over January. However, your team, Manchester United, Joel, have got rid of a number of players. Donny van der Beek's gone out on loan. Martial to Sevilla. Ahmad has gone to Rangers. Yet you've brought nobody in. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? 
It's a tricky one. I do have empathy, uh, a bit of sympathy with this kind of situation just because it's the fact that we don't know who the manager's going to be this time for in this time in 4 months. So if if they go crazy this January in signing, you know, there were there was talks of Bruno Neves, there was talks of Hidara. If they sign these kind of players who fit the profile of what Rangnick wants and then let's say Pochettino or Tenar comes in and they actually look at the players and say Obviously, they'll, they'll make use of them, but they're not exactly the ones they wanted. Then I think it just creates more issues than solutions, to be honest. And I think it is, it's, it's hard because obviously you need to look in the short term, and it's clear that we do we, that we do need a, a centre mid. It's, it's we've probably got one of the worst centre midfields in the Premier League. I think even Newcastle have got a better midfield than us now. Um, and it's <laughs> only, quite, only now, uh, <laughs> only John Joe Shelby and uh, <laughs> playing alongside Jeff Hendrick. Jesus, what? <laughs> Yeah, only just now, but it's been clear for a long time. It's probably been clear for the last 10 years, to be honest, since Michael Carrick retired. So it's not like it's just a new issue that's sprung on the club. It's been a big issue for a long, long time. Um, so it, it's a difficult one. I think there were many options out there that could have been used as stop gaps. I mean, there was talk of um, the young guy from Marseille who's on a free transfer in the summer. I forget his name now. Um, Camera. Yeah. yeah, Camera, that's the one. Um, he There was talk of getting a pretty decent cut prize for him. I don't know if he's the quality that we actually need. Uh, but to be honest, in terms of midfielders, the, the options are very, very scarce. And if you're going to pay, pay a premium, you know, for the likes of Neves, who Wolves are definitely not going not gonna to want to lose in January when they're potentially fighting for top four, I don't. I think it's risky on United's end to be paying these huge fees when we don't even know what the situation will be in the summer. Um which leaves you in a bit of a catch-22 because you need to improve, but you also can't at the same time. So you're just in, in a no-man's land and it's a t- tough situation. But with the amount of outgoings that we've had, it's a bit of a weird one as well. Yeah, definitely. And Arsenal have had plenty of outgoings, the majority of which have been on loan too. They did sign a, a player from the MLS yesterday, but he's been loaned straight back to an American team. So I don't think you could really call that an incoming. The big news from Arsenal's perspective was Aubameyang off to Barcelona. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one, Marley? That was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? Um, from from what from what we gathered, he just turned up in Barcelona and just hoped it would go through. So <laughs> serious Odin Wingy vibes coming. Yeah, from <laughs> yeah. The size of his stones, just like well, I'm going anywhere. I could afford a trip. Like if if it doesn't come off, I've had a nice day in Barcelona eating some decent food, and uh, I'll come back to Arsenal groveling on Tuesday or Wednesday. So it was a weird one, but I mean, it worked out for him in the end. I think. Um, I think they, they they might not have announced it yet, but uh, they they're due to, um, and he's got what he wanted. I don't quite know how he's how he's failed upwards almost in in this last few months after sort of um, you know being alienating everyone at Arsenal sort of thing and and sort of leaving on a bit of a, a downer. I kind of expected him to go into the wilderness of like a I don't know, a Turkish team or an American team or a, a Saudi team when, when they were lo- uh, rumoured with him. But Barcelona came in from nowhere and, and took him on a on a loan deal. So, you know, fair fair play to, to him. He gets the the start he wants. I still don't know the, the full um issue with with his exit at Arsenal. There's some people saying he went to visit his mother, some people went um see saying he was he was partying and taking the mick a bit but um yeah but if that ever comes out maybe we can we can be clear about his exit but for for now he's got a a, a pretty much 
risk-free move to Barcelona. If it doesn't work, he can just go somewhere else and say, I tried. Um, and at the, at the age of 32, 33, whatever he will be when this loan ends. Um, and then if, if it goes well, he can maybe sign a short-term deal and be part of the, 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 the Barcelona team that has to bridge a gap between sort of generations, really, because they're in a sort of situation at the minute where they're coming out the, the worst of of Ronald Koeman signing all his Dutch mates and, and uh, you know, Luke de Jong and Memphis Depay and all these, these people and Braithwaite and all these sort of not good enough players and can he can he be one of the ones who brings them through to the new era when Anzu Fati and uh, like Ferran Torres and people like that start to flourish and, and mm. be the next sort of era of Barcelona. Talking of Dutch players, we'll be talking about Donny van der Beek very shortly with Mike from the Unholy Trinity Everton podcast. But before we get to speaking about Everton's business when it comes to players and managers yesterday in the Premier League, I wanted to ask about West Ham. Now, Jim, as we mentioned earlier on in the podcast, is a big West Ham fan and he messaged me this morning saying, you've got to talk about the Hammers on the podcast today because they've signed no one and they're in such a good position to get top What's four football. What's to talk about, Jim? <laughs> exactly. Well, apparently, according to Jim, the club started talking about a deal for Duvan Zapata at 7pm last night. And obviously, I think the deadline, what is it, 11 or midnight? I can't quite remember what it is these days. But um, yeah. it's certainly and not... And it shuts an hour earlier in Italy as well. It's certainly not enough time to be able to construct any deals. So for you, Joel, are you surprised at West Ham's lack of investment? Because we've mentioned on the show before about striking while the iron's hot. The chances of West Ham being in this position the last two campaigns being in with a shout finishing in the Champions League very very rare yet they decided they didn't want to go in for Jesse Lingard and they've not signed anyone in terms of striker cover for Mikhail Antonio so what do you make of the situation Jim as a West Ham fan is pretty upset about it yeah yeah I think he has every right to to be honest I mean the fact that they've been scrambling scrambling around on deadline day for for example Jesse Lingard who they've known about for how long now He's been in the club for a good six months last year. They've known his situation for a long, long time. And suddenly they come in on deadline day when, of course, United aren't just going to click the fingers and let West Ham come in, who are a top four rival, and start taking an asset who could potentially put United out of the top four. You never know. So the fact that I think it was very telling in terms of the striking options that they were going for. You know, they were launching bids for Darwin Nunes at Benfica and Duvan Zapata at two hours before the closure of the window. It just tells me that they've they've kind of looked around the market. They've seen that clubs around them are really starting to make moves and they've panicked. But we've said in in December on the podcast that it was clear that considering the amount of competitions that West Ham are in, you know, they're still in Europe, they're still in the um, FA Cup, they're still firing in the Premier League. They need reinforcements because Mikel Antonio will not continuously produce um, if you don't have backup for him. And the fact that they've literally left the whole of January, I don't know what the kind of strategy they had for January was because it just seemed as though there was zero movement and then suddenly they kicked into gear and realised that actually, you know, the next four months could be a vital turning point in West Ham's whole history if they were to get um, some reinforcements. So I think for me, it's an absolute missed opportunity. I think if they would have spoken to Lingard on January the 1st, and sorted all of that out. I think United would have been way more, you know, lenient in terms of the deal. But the fact that they scrambled round on deadline days says to me that they just had lack of strategy. They had fear in them that every other side who were rivaling top four were going go really going after it, but they weren't. Um, and when a club starts springing deals left, right, and centre, and bids that are just going to get rebounded, 
it's never going to work and you know they probably will pay the price at the end of the season because for me it's one it's the best opportunity i think west ham have ever had for top four and you know they may have blew it in terms of the depth that they have it's lack of should i say well we'll wait and see i was quite hoping west ham would sign someone just so we could get david gold tweeting a picture of someone totally different and it wasn't actually the person who <laughs> who they signed a picture of someone from the in-betweeners or something that tends to be what david gold gets up to when it comes to transfers um we're going to talk on transfers in a more positive light after this here on Football Social Daily because Everton very very busy yesterday they brought in a new manager and a couple of fresh faces as well we'll speak to Mike from the Unholy Trinity podcast about that next here on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg this is The Deal each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. It's the 1st of February today, which means the January transfer window has closed. And usually we're talking about all the new signings in the Premier League, which of course we have already done today, but it's not too often we're also talking about a new manager. However, yesterday there was plenty of focus on Goodison Park as Frank Lampard was unveiled as the new manager of Everton Football Club, replacing Rafa Benitez, who was sacked a couple of weeks ago after disastrous time in charge. But things, will they get any better under Lampard? who's arrived with a couple of big name stars in tow on what was a hectic day for Everton yesterday. Well, let's find out what the fans make of it all. We've got Mike from the Unholy Trinity Everton podcast, part of the Sports Social Podcast Network, joining us now to share his thoughts. Mike, good to have you on. Great to speak to you, mate. What's the mood like amongst Evertonians this morning? Um, It's certainly a lot more positive than it was about 10, 14 days ago, to be honest. Um, It's been a, a difficult time. Um, it's been a, a very negative time. There's, I mean, there's still some negativity around the club, obviously, with the uh, the 27 year campaign showed no sign of, of slowing down either. But from a from a sort of uh, a managerial point of view, it's it's a lot better going into just Saturday's FA Cup game against Brentford with obviously the arrival of Frank Lampard. Are you happy with Lampard's appointment? Because we've seen a few names linked. Obviously, Big Dunk seemed like the popular choice at the time, taking the job on a temporary charge as he has done in the past. We saw Vitor Pereira linked and then given that bizarre interview to Sky Sports News. But in the end, uh, Mashiri's plumped for Frank Lampard. So are you happy with that choice? Yeah, I mean, Lampard wasn't particularly linked early on in, in this process from what we knew. Uh, there, was, there was a lot of talk around, obviously, Duncan Ferguson 
as you mentioned already, uh, Vito Pereira, who, who seems to appear every single time Everton look for a new manager. Um, he, he seems to come onto the scene. So Lampard was wanted in the summer, to be honest with you, by certain board members. And, and uh, Farhad Mashiri opted for, for Rafael Benitez at, at the time. Um, so he was he was certainly in the frame from uh, for certain board members, that's for sure. Um, I'm I'm fairly satisfied with it. I think if if we look at the the final three, if we can if we can call them that. Who were interviewed last Friday down in in London. He was probably the the slightly standout candidate uh, ahead of Big Dunk, just based on on managerial experience. To be honest, the fact that he has managed a couple of clubs, done relatively well. He's a young up and coming manager. He as obviously as a player, he, he won it all. He, he played at the highest level. Not at always, obviously. That means you're going to be a top manager. But I think we've got someone who who certainly has got something to prove, who seems to be enthused by by coming into the club, understands the the size of the club as well, understands the Premier League. And I think it's a it's a, quite a wise appointment. Uh, but we need to have patience. I know we're in a, a bit of a bit of a sticky situation currently, but we need to have patience as much as we can. Uh, hopefully he keeps us up this season and he can then look to look to build a side going forward. You talk about that patience. Obviously, it's four or five months now until the end of the season. Everton find themselves at the wrong end of the table uh, than what they would like to be. What would represent a successful start to Lampard's tenure? Is it simply just steadying the ship and hoping you can drag yourselves back up towards mid-table rather than looking over your shoulders? 100%. You know, you've, you've, you've got to get points on the board. That's, that's the first priority. His, his first target is to make sure that we're safe um, and anything more than that will, will be seen as a, as a bonus this season, I think. Uh, we, we can't be looking any further than that. I've said it on our on our podcast for the last the last few weeks. Make no mistake, we are in a, in a battle to stay in the Premier League. We shouldn't be, but we are. Um, and, you know, we, we look at our squad on paper. The squad should be nowhere near the bottom three. Uh, but you don't play football on paper. And we are where we are, and there's there's been numerous reasons as to why we are there. Uh, but it's up to the the manager, but also the players, to, to prove that they're good enough to play for Everton Football Club, and that they actually care, and that they can get us out of the the situation that we're in. In terms of the benefits that Lampard can bring, we know he's worked with young players um, in the past at Derby. He's managed a, a huge club in Chelsea, um, but also as a player of his stature that many will remember in the Premier League from years gone by, he does have this ability maybe to attract top players to Everton Football Club. Um, uh, do you think we've already seen that with a couple of players that you brought in yesterday? We'll come on to Van der Beek and Ali in a bit more detail shortly, but was that just coincidence? Do you think Everton were looking at those players anyway? Or maybe that Lampard joining Everton was kind of the persuading factor for both Van der Beek and Ali? I think Van der Beek was, was linked in the summer. Uh, Marcel Brands had identified him and, and we did try and do a deal with United at that particular time. It didn't quite come off. So in the summer, there, there was murmurings of it. Uh, obviously, Marcel Brands has since gone. Uh, but I, I would say both were probably swayed by having Frank Lampard as, as manager. Like you say, his name as a as a player. You know, the, these two lads have, have probably, well, they would have watched them growing up. You know, the, he's probably one of those players that they, they potentially idolise. They, they, they studied his game. He's he's obviously he's a world-renowned ex-footballer, so that's certainly going to help matters. And I think if it wasn't him in charge uh, and he wasn't announced as manager, 
I, I do I do wonder whether we would have had both these these lads come in to be honest with you, uh, which is is a slightly frightening prospect really. That you know what with what of what could have been if if Farhad Nishi would have would have got his way, which was to appoint Vitor Pereira, which is what the uh, the the end game seemed to be at the um, at the middle of last week. Mike, just uh, just on Vitor Pereira, you know, I was, I was watching uh, the Everton socials and, and Sky Sports last week, um, and every every post Everton did was just oh, do not sign Vitor Pereira, Lampard in hashtag Lampard in, and all this sort of stuff. And I was trying to get my head around just why there was so much hate for a manager who's never managed in England, but is ultimately way more experienced than than Frank Lampard. Was it just because it was Mashiri's choice and and you've always been linked with him and you've just thought, if he's not got the job by now, you know, why would we ever want him type of thing? Or was there was it was everyone just convinced that Lampard would be the man for them? It certainly wasn't about Frank Lampard, to be honest with you. Um, was it just anyone but Pereira? Exactly, right. That that was the message. Um, <laughs> and you know why though? Because if you look at his record, so you know, let, let's let's strip back the fact that he's he's linked to Keita Rapton, who's got his his claws in our club and has done for the last few years. So straight away, uh, a bit of a shady character. In my opinion, he's only ever going to be in any kind of in any kind of decision making process to, to line his own pockets. So straight away that link was there. Um, so the fans obviously weren't too too happy about that. Vitor Pereira went to eighteen sixty Munich in a similar position and took them down. That so first off, there's his credentials. I, I don't care what you've done in in Portugal. Don't care what you what you might have done in, in other countries and, and you've won you know Mickey Mouse trophies. In my opinion. You've got no experience in the Premier League. You, you've taken a team down who are in a similar position to ourselves. Slightly okay, slight, slightly worse potentially at the time, but similar, very, very similar. You know, you, you're backwards and forwards to, to Fenerbahce. Um, is, is, what he's done in recent years is just not very good. And then, as I say, throw into the mix who he's linked to and the fact that we feel that that Keita Rapton has, has got too much of a, of a role to play in the decision making side of our football club, it's all just a, just became a really, really nasty mix of ingredients and, and that's why we well, that's why many, many fans were, were so against him. And then obviously he, he in his wisdom he goes on to Sky Sports News and decides he's gonna he's gonna discuss <laughs> discuss potentially coming Everton manager. Yeah. Which for me, that, that that shows the desperation of, of, of some man of uh, of someone to get a job, really. And he was obviously trying to say all the right things about commitments and how my team is playing. And I understand, you know, even through in, in Phil Jagielka's name, you know, for, for some strange reason, the fact that he can name a couple of old Everton players, it was just totally bizarre. <laughs> so if, if fans was- weren't against them, before then, they certainly were after that particular time. Honestly, I thought that's possibly the weirdest thing I've seen all January. Um, we've seen some weird stuff in January chancer windows. We've already kind of joked about Peter Odenwingi rocking up to a training ground once, trying to get himself signed. But a manager going on Sky Sports and <laughs> and banging the drum for himself as to why he should get a job. I've never seen that before. Um, but thankfully, uh, from your perspective, Mike, Frank Lampard is the man who will be the new Everton manager. You've also got some fresh faces as well. Donny van der Beek on loan from Manchester United 
as you've already uh, discussed, you were linked with him in the summer. Now he finally has the chance to get some game time. He said he spoke to Lampard before uh, joining the club. And Delhi Ali as well, who joins on a deal from Tottenham. We're not quite sure of the fee on this one. There's reports suggesting it could be up to 40 million quid. Um, you mentioned Van der Beek briefly there. Is that the sort of signing Everton need, do you think? Um, I think I think both. Yeah, I think both are, are decent signings. Say, Van der Beek, obviously we, we start with him. He, he's got something to prove. Um, and he wasn't really given probably the the game time at Manchester United. Um, obviously, what he did at, at Ajax, I thought he was a, a real standout. But obviously, we've been here before with the likes of Davy Classen. But I don't want to compare. But from from the same league, and Davy Classen really struggled when he came to the Premier League. Van der Beek is 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 a lot different for me. Much more physical. Obviously, he's been over here for 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 quite a while now as well. So I think yeah, I think it's a, it, that's a real positive sign. And whether we see him being asked to play slightly deeper, because one thing that we lack really is is a proper number six. We we obviously play Alan sits there quite often. Um, Decore sometimes being asked to sit Andre Gomez, all of which you know all three of them really. You don't want to give them much defensive responsibility. Alan's the best one of the three in, in that sense, but he goes hunting for the ball as opposed to being uh, sitting in a particular position. So he might be asked to, to sit a little bit deeper potentially, which according I think it was I think it was Ronald the ball said that that's his best position. So we'll see. You know, it could it could be a, a really shrewd move that for, for ourselves. So I was quite quite pleased with that with that sign. As I say, I think it's someone who's who shows he's got the right attitude, even. You know, in adversity at United when he wasn't getting a game, I think everyone could see, you know, it wasn't for, for one to try and, and and he applied himself correctly. And the United fans, you know, the I think they held him in quite a quite a high regard in a sense that, you know, when he was getting, you know, some appearances here and there, they, they were they were really vocal in their support. So I think I think he's a real he's a real positive signing for me, yeah. What about Deli Ali? Are you sceptical about what he could possibly offer to your side because we've seen how good he can be but we haven't seen that Deli Ali for probably two or three seasons now so do you think that a change of scenery after seven years at Spurs and up in sticks and moving to Goodison Park is the change that Ali needs to kind of rejuvenate his career? Yeah he's become very stagnant hasn't he you know we, we know what what talent he's got you know you go back to sort of 16, 17, 17, 18 those, those seasons and you know he's had over I think over 30 goal contributions in both those seasons alone he, he, he was a talent, you know, he was an enigma. He played without any kind of fear. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes when you're at one club and obviously you burst onto the scene as well uh, at such an early age after a move from, from MK Dons, I think sometimes it can it can go that way. Um, obviously, we've all seen the, the Amazon documentary when, when Mourinho rocked up and, and he sat down with him and obviously his attitude was questioned and, and what have you. So... I think, yeah, a change, a move is 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 good and can work for players. We know there's a player in there, you know, if, if he's if he's given, you know, that arm around the shoulder and told he, you know, what kind of player he is, and I'm sure Lampard he, he will do that. Then he, he could really he could really thrive for me. Uh, and you know, it's it's very clever from Everton to be honest with you in terms of how we've gone about the deal. We knew we couldn't do another loan because we we already brought in. El Ghazi, that was a leaving present from Rafael Benitez and Van der Beek on loan. So our loans, in terms of English loans, were done. So we've effectively got a free transfer because he can't, we won't pay anything until he makes 20 appearances and he can't make 20 appearances this season. So very, very clever. It'll fall into, into next year's financial financial report and figures. So we've, we've done well there. And 
you know, if if we if we end up paying thirty five to forty million pound, which is what the overall figure could be, with obviously it's heavily incentivised, uh, etc. Then that means that Everton and Delhi Ali have done particularly well. So you know, that's it's not a bad deal, really. You know, I'm sure there's there's winning trophies, qualifying for Europe, etc. Are all going to be in that particular that particular deal? So I think we've been quite clever in that sense, and it's it's not a big gamble for me because he's 25. He's young. He hasn't even reached the peak of his career. And who knows, it, it might be, you know, Everton and Frank Lampard can, can ignite or reignite Deli Alley and, and he, we see the play that we saw about three or four years ago. Mike, it's been great to talk to you, mate. Mike's part of the Unholy Trinity podcast, an Everton podcast, with all the latest talking points coming out of Goodison Park. Mike's joined by Pete and Lee on the show. There's a lot that's happened since your last episode, Mike, so I'm sure that the next time that you release an episode, which will be available on the network and on all other podcast platforms, you'll be discussing the, the latest news coming out of Goodison. We are recording later today, so yes, that'll be out at some point uh, late on this afternoon, early evening. Brilliant stuff. Mike, appreciate your time as ever. Best of luck for the rest of the season, mate. Absolute pleasure. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is your daily Premier League show from Sport Social. Loads of activity yesterday on what was transfer deadline day, the final day of January. We've spoken about some of the deals already on the show, but here's a couple that we've picked out that we wanted to touch upon. Um, a lot of them actually, interestingly, uh, are down the bottom of the Premier League table. The first one I wanted to pick up on was uh, the signing of Wout Weghorst, the Burnley striker, as he is now, arrived at Turf Moor from Wolfsburg. A big, tough target man who can hold up play, but he can also spin off defenders and find the back of the net too. He's done that on a number of occasions in the Bundesliga. So Burnley's forward line is now McNeil, Cornet and Veghorst. Is this a good signing for you? Uh, I think it is. I think it's a really good signing. Um, Newcastle have been linked with this guy for for two or three years now. Um, And always Wolfsburg were doing pretty well and... Um, sort of towards the top six, and it was always too hard to to prize him away um, for for a decent fee. And obviously, we were managed uh, owned by Mike Ashley at that point, so it was never going to happen. So, I, I like that Burnley have just gone right. We've lost a big striker. Go and get me a bigger striker. Just find me the biggest one you can find, and then they've signed him. And I, the the guy's a good goal scorer. He's got, I think it was seventy and one hundred and forty four at uh, at Wolfsburg. So. You know, it's a one in two strike rate of, you know, in a in a decent league. Um, obviously, at six foot six, he's he's insane in the air. 
Um, so all we know about Burnley is they whip a million crosses in per game and a million sort of long balls towards the strikers to flick on. So um, they, they've definitely strengthened the team there. Um, even with losing Chris Wood, I think they've they've fell forward sort of thing. And uh, Wegos can be a, a serious player for them. They've just got to provide him the service because he's got the track record to to suggest that he will stick it in the net if if he does get the uh, service. I think Burnley paid 14 million, something like that, for Veghorst. So here's a question for you. You paid 25 million for Chris Wood. Would you have rather had Veghorst? Yeah, probably. But we needed someone quick. We needed we needed someone, um, not physically, like speed quick. We needed someone by the next Premier League game um, and doing a deal with with a club where you've, you've got to fight over a transfer fee and then personal terms is is uh, longer than a few days. So you're talking probably 10 days minimum to get that transfer through. Um, and we, we didn't, uh, we didn't have that time. And we, someone somewhere found a, a clause in Chris Wood's deal and went, right, we'll, we'll pay that and we'll pay it now. So I'm not really against the move. Um, if you give me the straight choice, like in the summer, for example, if you're saying, would you have signed Weghorst or, or Wood? Um, probably Weghorst, but it is what it is. We've we've got our man, they've got their man. Let's uh, let's have a scrap and see who wins. I certainly think it's uh, an interesting signing, Valt Veghorst to Burnley. Um, as I say, McNeil, Cornet and Veghorst is a pretty decent forward three for Burnley. Not something we thought we'd be saying only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, one of the other deals, certainly one that brought a smile to everyone's face, was uh, the arrival of Christian Eriksen at Brentford, Joel. Great to see him back, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's only seven months since it looked like the total opposite scenario could have happened, obviously, during the Euros with Denmark. Um, I think it's really fitting the fact that Thomas Frank, who used to coach him in the under-17s of Denmark, like two weeks ago was saying how it's flattering, how he's been linked with Brentford, but he deserves to be at a world-class club. And suddenly, two weeks later, he finds himself as a player at Brentford. So I think it is it is a really nice... I think that's like probably the best story of the window, shall we say, just because obviously he's been declared fit. I think that was probably a big issue for a lot of clubs who were interested because, you know, a fully fit Ericsson prior to this, there would have been hundreds of clubs lining up to get his signature. So it's good to know for the fact that, you know, he's, he's medically completely clear to play. Um, and if he can rediscover just like 50% of his talent, I mean, with Ericsson, he's the type of player where he doesn't really need to even break a sweat on the pitch just in terms of how good he is technically. So, I know he's still age 29. He's been out of football for a good amount of time now. So, you know, we might not see him in the Premier League for a good month or so until he actually gets his full fitness back and he's ready to play. But I think it's just, it's the perfect club in terms of like that family vibe um, and the perfect manager as well, obviously a fellow Dane and you know, I'm sure he knows him very well. And I think it's a, it's the great chance for him to just get playing again. And then obviously in the summer, who knows, but it's the perfect chance for him, I think. Yeah, it's it's a really uplifting story, no doubt about it. As you mentioned, Joel, there were question marks over whether Christian Eriksen will ever play football again, but he's joined Brentford. There is that sort of Danish core to Brentford Football Club, so I think a lot of people will be watching his progress at Brentford with keen interest, but you're spot on as well with the fitness. To come back to the Premier League after the ordeal that he went through is not going to be easy, so we'll wait and see what happens there with Christian Eriksen. And continuing the theme of talking about signings at the bottom of the Premier League table. This one really shocked me, Joel. Todd Campwell has left Norwich for Bournemouth on loan. Bournemouth under Scott Parker, doing really well in the Championship. Iron a return to the Premier League, of course. Burnley, 
Newcastle and Everton, as we've spoken about all three on today's show, they've all strengthened. Norwich have, for me, by letting Campwell leave and bringing no one in, they've weakened themselves. Yeah, I agree with you. It totally surprised me this one because if I remember rightly, I think was it Aston Villa who were linked with a 40 million move for Campwell um, or maybe it was Leicester. I can't remember. There was a club who was linked with him, I think a couple of seasons ago when he you know, first broke onto the scene at Norwich when they first came into the Premier League. I think it was in 2019. And when I saw this story, I was thinking, have I missed something? Because like he's still a young guy. He's still I'm playing decently well. Um, I'm wondering if on his side is a little bit of a strategic move because maybe if Norwich, obviously, because I think Bournemouth are doing so well in the championship at the moment, they're the ones who are probably going to be going up. Norwich at this rate are the ones who are going to be going down. So he may have the last laugh in this whole situation where he will be a Premier Premier League player again. Um, But I think it's a massive coup that for Bournemouth just because I think... maybe he stagnated slightly and you know what there's only eight games this season in the Premier League three of those uh, as a sub so just five starts in total for Campwell so obviously the departure of Daniel Farker the arrival of Dean Smith maybe that's played a part but to have only have played eight games and five of them starts at this stage of the season when Norwich are struggling. I know he's had a couple of injuries, but that maybe there's a little bit of an untold story there. It sounds it to me because in, an, in a regular time, because he was a main figurehead in that Norwich side for a good amount of time, especially when they dropped down in the championship as well. So yeah, for me, I think he's potentially fallen out of favour um, and he needs another kickstart in his career. And I think at Bournemouth, it's the perfect opportunity because they're looking like they're going to bounce straight back up again. And like you say, with Norwich, they seem like the only side in that bottom three who have weakened, whereas the likes of Newcastle have strengthened. Um, and as we've said, I think a couple of months ago, I do think that Norwich are just doomed in that department because they're lacking goals. Um, and of course, if you're losing a player who's only played eight games, then clearly he's not someone who they the, the think very very highly of. So um, yeah, it's, it's a big move. It's a strange one. I thought he would have been linked with bigger clubs um, and stay in the Premier League. But like I say, it seems to me like he'll probably have the last laugh in this situation and he'll end up being in the Premier League next year. But he's a good talent and I think he just needs to rediscover his, his form and just get on the pitch again. So Todd Campwell leaves Norwich City for Bournemouth on loan. And I think that will do us for today's Football Social Daily. But before we go, I want to do something which has kind of become a bit of a tradition on this podcast over the three or so seasons that we've been doing it. And that is picking our winners of the transfer window, Marley. So who this season, this January, has won the January transfer window? Um, There are a few contenders. Your side, Newcastle. Everton have brought in a new manager and a couple of decent players. Um, I think Aston Villa have done good business. Who are the winners in this January transfer window for you, mate? Uh, I've got to go for us. I think um, we've addressed the problems we had um, and we've strengthened. So I think we've signed decent players. Bruno Gimresh is, is the biggest sort of uh, one which where you go, bloody hell, have we signed him? That's that's a that's a, that's a coup. Um, Trippier as well is obviously a fantastic signing. Uh, and the other three uh, are, are good sort of Solid signings as well, like they make sense. So I'd have to say us. I, I don't think anybody's obviously had a better one. Um, and I think a lot of teams have done strange things in this transfer window. What about you, Joel? If you were picking one club to have been the, the pick of the clubs in terms of the business they've done in January, who would you go for? 
Yeah, I think it would have to be Aston Villa for me, just because their front, their starting lineup has improved tenfold just by replacing Matt Target with Luca Dean. I think that's a massive upgrade. Uh, and obviously, if Philippe Coutinho can find an ounce of what he was at Liverpool, um, obviously he started that nicely against United a couple of weeks ago. Uh, if he can find an ounce of that form and rediscover himself under Gerrard, then, I mean, it's going to speak for itself, isn't it? Um, I think they've been very shrewd in the market and it was telling as well on the final day when they were linked with Basuma uh, last minute. So that's one to look out for, for for the summer, but it just shows the ambition that the club's going in. And um, I think Gerard's for his first window, I don't think he can complain at all with that very, very shrewd, good business and should stand him in good stead in the season. Well, we'll wait and see what happens. No Premier League games this weekend. Well, I say that there is one. I think it's Watford against Burnley, which should be huge in the context of the relegation fight but there are games next midweek I think it's the FA Cup this weekend as well but all of the latest Premier League news we will keep on top of and keep you banging the loop here on Football Social Daily we are the only daily Premier League podcast so make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss an episode of the show again but that's it from us today my thanks to Mike my thanks to Joel my thanks to Marley that's it from us today we'll speak to you again tomorrow on Football Social Daily Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.